Hello, and welcome to Marty's Music Kitchen, where food meets music. On this show, we'll slice the creative pie of taste and sound with chefs, musicians, and aficionados of both. Today, we're welcoming to the show trumpet player John Dover. His musical talents range from classical to jazz, and he also has a reputation as an outstanding cook. Stay tuned as we explore with him how storytelling, trumpets, comics, and great food come together in his world. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Marty. I appreciate you having me on. John, I'm so delighted you're joining us on the show today. You are an accomplished trumpet player in both classical and jazz genres. In fact, I think you just performed at the Salem Symphony last week. Is that correct? Yeah, last Thursday we had our inaugural performance uh, down at the Elsinore Theater. I think the audience should know that right now we are sitting in your kitchen and it smells absolutely amazing. I'm really looking forward to having you walk us through one of your recipes later in the show. But first, I'd like to explore your music career. What inspired you to pick up the trumpet? Both my parents were musicians, trained classically and got their degrees as music educators. And then my dad himself was a trumpet player. My sister was a trumpet player. So there was always a trumpet around the house. So when it came time to join the band, Trumpet was the easiest thing to grab. So a family of trumpet players. What was it like when you first started playing? It was noisy and awful. (laughs) (laughs) No, it, it was lovely. At first, I was a typical kid. I'd practice when I was told I had to go practice. Eventually, after a couple years, the bug kind of bit me, and I found out that when I practiced, things became easier, and the things I wanted to do actually started happening. So that inspired me to actually practice more, and then we got me involved in lessons, and which helped to keep my growth on a consistent path. How old were you when you started? I started at age nine. Well, I have to say that I also started playing piano when I was very young, and getting me to practice was a totally different story. Did you ever consider another instrument besides trumpet? The first thing I actually picked up was flute for about two months during the summer before fifth grade, Um, mainly because the year before I had seen the Marine Band do a concert, and they did the Stars and Stripes Forever, and when that piccolo player came out and did that first solo, I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, did you? Oh, no, I was awful. No, I could barely make a sound. The first concert at the end of the summer came up, and I was asked, Little Johnny, do you want to do your solo? And Little Johnny just sat there. So, (laughs) How did you know that playing music was your calling? Oh, that was a pretty easy decision, according to my teachers. (laughs) Not my music teachers, my math and my science teachers. They said, you should really play the trumpet oh yeah that's where it is stick stick to what you're good yeah and and you know i i made it through school and and then i got you know to the point where there was really one thing that i was doing on a consistently solid basis and getting better at and had a passion for from the time i was you know basically picked it up and really got into it i mean even to that point it was that was what i was supposed to do so right i i didn't really ask any questions of the fates i just let them guide me down that path. That's amazing. What is your all-time favorite show? A um, small group concert with Jeff Coffin. He's the sax player from the Dave Matthews Band. Getting to be next to him, it was a learning experience from the moment I stepped on stage. So, John, you are known as a storyteller of sound. 
Tell me more about that. It's been one of my growing philosophies with music, and I work with my students a lot with this, that anytime we pick up that horn, it is our opportunity to engage with an audience and to bring them along, you know, if you want to get philosophical, a sonic journey. From that, you know, it, it, it allows me to tap into a deeper sense of whatever's in front of me and to put out a lot more emotion and to engage that audience on a deeper level as well. I completely understand that from a singer's perspective. You know, we try to do the same thing of, you know, telling that story. I know that you have taken that to the next level. Do you want to tell us about your current project? Yeah, my uh, current project is a multi-level storytelling process, actually. It's the Johnny Scotch comic book series and pulpy noir novel series, as well as the Johnny Scotch vignettes, which is a musical component that goes along with the whole world. So is Johnny Scotch like your alter ego? <laughs> the police tell me I'm not allowed to say whether it is or not. No, I, it actually started as a nickname with a rock band that I play with out of Boise. It got to me one night where I couldn't sleep and I just kept thinking, what would someone that actually was called Johnny Scotch, what, what characteristics would they have? What would they look like? What would they do? How would they survive in this world? And I opened my computer Dropped 2,000 words into it, you know, over the next couple hours and out popped this pulpy noir or jazz noir character that tapped into the old school pulp novels and hard-boiled detective flavor of writing. Wow. Uh, you have two comic books out now, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Did the stories come to you like when you're laying awake at night and, you know, you're, you're dreaming up what Johnny Scotch would look like or are you always writing the comics in your head? I tend to take little breaks <laughs> when, I, when I write, but uh, I try to make a concerted effort. Today is a writing day. So I will take myself out of the house, head somewhere that helps inspire me to, the, to that world, usually a bar. So my liver hates it, but I have a good time. <laughs> so I've actually been recently to one of your Johnny Scotch shows. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners how this kind of show differs from, say the John Dover Quartet, if they were giving a show? Sure. When I'm with my more traditional standardized jazz group, that is going to be a primarily instrumental improvised show, focusing on original music that I or other people in my group have written, every so often peppering in some standards that right. we might have put our own little twist on. With the Johnny Scotch vignettes, which is what we call our, our Johnny Scotch shows, the music is written by Thomas Barber, who's a local trumpet player and also the bass player in my group. And what he does is he takes characters or scenes from my writing and then has been inspired to create the different elements. And then what we do is we put spoken word portions in the background or in the foreground of the music while it's going on. So we try to add an extra element uh, of entertainment for the audience. And on a bigger one, we'll even try and put art around so they can be really immersed in the comic book feel. So when I was at the show, I could completely close my eyes and I felt like I was on the foggy street, the trumpet was playing under the street lamp. Somebody was going to come up and give you the secret code for, it was really great. And I, I truly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Appreciate that. Among the many talents you are known for, I understand that you are an absolutely fabulous cook. Well, I have survived on it a long time, so... <laughs> well, how, how did you get into cooking? My mom uh, got me into cooking at a very young age, mostly because both my parents were working parents. If you wanted a meal... Desperation? <laughs> Desperation Desperation made in. you a cook, is that what Desperation you're telling me? Desperation made me a cook, and then I started to 
you know, like the things my mom was cooking. So being the curious little punk I was, I would be, how do you make that? So uh, I started grabbing <laughs> onto her recipes and then trying to riff on them. Uh, yeah, I can do she this was better not, than you can. Yeah, kind of she was not very happy with that. <laughs> yeah. We've had a kitchen rivalry ever since I was a young lad, I'd say. Really? <laughs> well, what was the first dish that you could really, like, really pull off? The first one, and I, I still do it because it's, it's been what I've been making since I was like 10, is just spaghetti with red sauce. I know that sounds basic, but I tell you, on a cold day, nothing hits home like fresh homemade pasta from scratch. You know, the house warms up, your belly warms up, everything's perfect. Well, John, I can't wait to hear a track from your CD. And I'm excited to dig deeper into that idea of music meets food. Stay tuned. There's music and food tasting to come. And we'll pick up this conversation with John Dover, trumpet player, after a short break. Welcome back to Marty's Music Kitchen on 99.1 FM, the Portland Radio Project. I'm jazz singer Marty Mendenhall, and I'm here with trumpet player and comic book author, Mr. John Dover. Hi there. John, let's jump right in. Where does music and food cross for you? Probably from the sense that a lot of my recipes started as improvised works. Really? Oh, yes. Uh, A lot of riffing and and vamping until I figured out certain ways to pull off what needed to happen so that it would be able to reach a, the broadest audience. When you're writing a song, how do you come up with it? A lot of times I start with either a melody or just a simple bass riff to kind of establish the groove right. and, and where I want to take something. But a lot of times it just starts with me on my horn playing around, usually during a warm-up, and just allow the moment to kind of ride. Your process in cooking is similar? Many times. I'm a little more thoughtful about it these days with the cooking. (laughs) Much like my improvised solos, I generally have an idea of where I'm going to go, what story I want to tell the audience, and how we want to end up. Do you find the music that you listen to has an influence on your cooking? I don't. I mean, probably the closest (laughs) I would get is I'm such a fan of Chris Bode anyways. Once in a while, his stuff sneaks onto my playlist and I get a little bit of Chris Bode doing Italia or something of that or Nessun Dorma. So it does influence your cooking a little bit. On occasion. But for the most part, I just try and pick something that's energetic, fun, inspiring. And makes you happy. It better. John, what did you bring to play for us today? I brought a few things, uh, things that I've either been listening to since I was a kid that have inspired me musically and that I just love to have in the background. That's fun. And then also just a few things that I love just from the pure musical inspiration. Great. Well, let's play some tracks. What do you want to start with? We might as well, since we mentioned it already, let's start with a little bit of Chris Bode playing Nessun Dorma, since it will tie in a little bit with one of the portions of the dish I'm putting together. Thank you. 
is full of passion and love and an amazing version of that song. I can see why it inspires you. Oh, yeah. And he inspires me musically. He inspires me as a trumpet player. And then as a cook, you know, you just get to dive into that rich tapestry that he's laying out and see how many flavors you can you can pull out on, on wow. of your dish. Yeah, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm glad we're getting to the recipe sharing segment yes. soon because I really am looking forward to that. My mouth is watering and I can't wait to get to the tasting of whatever you're cooking for us today. Tell me more about your most recent CD. Working Out the Kinks is what that CD is called. We recorded that a couple years ago. All original music, all tunes that I wrote. My good friend Thomas Barber, again, helped a lot with the arranging so that we could really put a polished spin on every single tune. Would you be kind enough to share a track from your CD? Yeah, we'll go with the first track of the album. It's called Puerto Morelos, which is a beautiful little fishing village just south of Cancun. Long stretch, white beach. You know, That's kind of what I was inspired by when I wrote this. Then when we arranged it, you get a nice interplay with each instrument, especially the guitar, getting to really highlight itself within the melody. Let's have a listen. Thank you. 
John, I absolutely love that track. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You've put together two playlists for our audience. Is that correct? Yeah, I wanted people to be able to grab onto some music, whether it's the holiday season or whether it's just any day of the week. Because we cook these dishes throughout the year. But right now, we're, it's that time of year, so I wanted to give some fun music that I enjoy listening to at this time of year. Okay, so the idea is that a person can go to our website, prp.fm, and look at the playlist, set it up, and cook to their heart's content and be inspired for their holiday dishes or their regular Wednesday night meal. Absolutely. Pick and choose as they wish. Do you want to share any thoughts about how you put these together? Really just came from, you know, the music and musicians that inspire me and that, again, I like to be energized in the kitchen. So a lot of it's pretty fiery, pretty fun stuff. You're not bouncing along while you're, you know, sauteing (laughs) those onions, then something's wrong with you. All right. And, you know, you should be bouncing when sauteing onions. That's John Dover's cooking tip. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John, for sharing that amazing music with us. I'm very inspired to have John start cooking and walk us through the fabulous menu he has planned today. Our recipe section is coming right up. Stay tuned to taste the food with us. And we'll pick up this conversation with John Dover, trumpet player, after a short break. So we are back with John in the kitchen. John, what are you cooking for us today? All right, we're going to start with our Alfredo, which is a bechamel base sauce for the noodles that are going to be just on the side of the whole dish. Wow. So we have butter and onions getting a nice little caramelization going on there. Is that a white onion or a yellow onion? This one right now is a yellow onion, but honestly, you can you know use whatever you have available. And then since those have softened up just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit, we're gonna go ahead, have a really nice, probably about, yeah, I went light-ish. I didn't want to scare anyone off, so I went with about two cloves of garlic today. I'm gonna let that finish off. Garlic has been the key of my life in cooking ever since I was a young, young boy, so. I never skimp on the garlic. So this, I have to say, is starting to really smell delicious. The savory kind of scent of the garlic and the onion together and the butter. That, that is one of the best smells ever. I don't care who you are. When you walk in a house that's had onions and garlic cooking, you know, you're home. And now we're just throwing some mushrooms so we can just bulk up the sauce just a little bit. Just a, I just went with button mushrooms. About how much? About a cup. And are they chopped or sliced? These are chopped, nice rough chopped, so that they have some nice mouthfeel and texture to them. So this counter, it looks like you, did you make this pasta that's coming up? Yeah, we uh, we cranked out the pasta a couple hours ago. So it's, it's homemade, fresh, uh, just honestly, just a little olive oil and flour and egg. Do you have a particular kind or brand of flour that you like to use? Nah, just white flour for that. And then all I've done is just add a little bit of salt and pepper for taste so that we can make sure that you know, the natural flavors come out. I don't like to over-season. I like things to be very flavorful but not overpowering. So I always have this question when I'm cooking. I'm looking in the pan right now about, you know, like what is your, what is your cooking temperature right now? This one's about medium-high, uh, verging on, on high heat. 
uh, just so things can move quickly, especially you know when we're in a little bit of a time crunch, I want things just really moving along nice. The next step, since the mushrooms have released a little bit of their liquid, we're now gonna add our flour. And since we're going kind of on a bechamel base, we wanna go equal parts butter and flour. So about uh, four tablespoons butter, and we're gonna do about four tablespoons of flour, roughly. And I can see that the onions are a little bit clear, like you would expect. Mm -hmm. But you know, when I cook mushrooms, I always have that question, you know, should they be more cooked or less? And I can clearly see that these mushrooms have a little bit of body left in Yeah, I like them to have, again, it's that mouth feel. I like a little bit of, not crunch per se, but a little bit of chewiness between the teeth when right. you bite down onto it. It just helps differentiate it from, from a soggy, overcooked mush. Right. And then we added our flour. We're gonna bring it together real quick. And then we're going to just add some milk to this so that it can, you know, we're basically creating a roux. So the flour and the butter are gonna mix real nice and then it'll come out with a nice thick texture once we add the milk. I'm used to creating the roux kind of off to the side with just the butter and the flour, so it's a real learning experience for me to see that you already have the onions and the garlic and the mushrooms together, and then you're using the thickening after that. And here comes the milk. Next, we're gonna start with about a cup, cup and a half, and then just add, depending on how thick we want it. I, again, I'm a big fan of improvising, especially in the kitchen. I can tell since there's no measuring cups to be seen, so he just kinda dumped that milk in. Yeah, that's about right. And plus, we don't need a huge, heavy, you know, we're not doing this as a main dish. This is kind of off to the side, so we don't need a giant pot worth of sauce. Got it. But we do need it to come back up to heat and get a little bit of a boil so the flour and the roux can just you know, join with that milk and make a nice, nice textured sauce. And then we're gonna add a little bit of Parmesan to it to just kinda punch up the flavor a bit. I said you had me at garlic, I lied. You had me at Parmesan, so there you go. Yeah, well, a nice little Italian influence. Remember we were listening to Chris Bodie a little bit earlier, that's kinda where these rich, romantic flavors for me come from. You know? And we're going for just a nice, thick sauce here, almost a gravy consistency. And we're, again, we're just adding flavor now. Don't wanna to go too much, just wanna give the, the taster the hint of that cheese flavor. So here we come with the Parmesan. I don't know, you can't really have too much Parmesan, but that's just my own opinion. See, these are some of the, the fights that I used to have with my mother and they drove her crazy when she would watch me cook and I didn't have the measuring cups and the measuring spoons a lot of the time and I would just see where it needed to go. So do you think you're a better cook than your mother? I am not going to dignify that with an answer. <laughs> we are different chefs. We're different in the kitchen. And I love going home and eating my mother's cooking and she tolerates coming to my house and watching me cook. Not a good chef unless you're getting the actual taste of this stuff. So you gotta oh, get a, just excellent. a- Oh, excellent. I get a spoon? You get a spoon. Oh, this you is just fantastic. gotta get a little bit on the back so you can get a nice flavor. Oh, wow, I never tried that before. Yeah. All right. And that's how you can tell we got a nice sauce too because it's yep. not falling right off. So it's sticking on the spoon. Here it's I go. It's gonna coat. Mm. So then we can decide if we need a little more pepper, a little more salt, a little more cheese. That's what you want me to tell you or you're gonna do you it yourself? You can tell me, you're eating it too. So. I think it needs a little more salt. Yeah, I, I would and agree. And maybe a little more cheese. And that's where I was going oh, to. Oh, see, there you go. And the cheese will actually add the salt. Right. So before I add more salt, I'm gonna do a little bit of this and I like a little bit of bite. So a little more pepper in there. All right. 
So we'll bring that back together. Maybe a little milk just to thin it out since we're thickening it with the cheese. So it's really getting thick yep. and a little bit bubbly. You're adding a little more milk. Just a little to th keep it from getting To thin it out, yep. right? Keep it in that kind of gravy consistency. There we go. So that's just gonna stay nice and warm and toasty on the back of the oven. And we're gonna move over now to my Cuisinart where I've prepped the stuff for the topping of the salmon cakes. Great, what's that? This is kind of like a, a avocado salad dressing that I came up with a while ago, but it works really nicely for these as well. So it's avocado, a little bit of cilantro for some brightness, salt, pepper, garlic, and a, a dash, well, more than a dash, but olive oil so that we can bring it all together. Nice consistency and, and it'll uh, really coat those salmon cakes quite nicely. We also have uh, one lemon squeezed in here. So you're just pouring the olive oil in over those ingredients, the avocado, the cilantro, putting the lid on. Yeah, I'm just gonna pulse it for a while and see how it comes together. Uh, we might need to add a little bit more olive oil. And then again, we'll give it a little taste. You gotta keep tasting things as you go because sometimes a recipe stops at a certain point and you might wanna take it to another level. So we're just gonna hit the pulse for a little bit until it all kind of emulsifies. All right, so we're gonna give you a little bit to taste. So nice and bright, has some nuttiness from the olive oil. Right, I can really taste the lemon and it's really that sparkling, kind of waking up on my tongue kind of a feeling. So I'm just gonna add a little bit more olive oil and some more ground pepper and just a splash of salt to really bring those flavors out just a little bit more. All right, let's give this one more hit. All right, we're going for round two on tasting. Oh, that, mm, that dialed it in. And he's adding a little more lemon still. Just to bring those bright flavors back out. And then we'll call it good. That should be nice to accompany those salmon cakes. Or your audience can also use this as a nice, uh, nice topper for salads too. Walk me through what's up next. What's up next, I'm just gonna finish off the salad dressing that I started earlier. I. Uh, Threw in about a clove of garlic with the olive oil so it could really pull the garlic flavor out. And so it's been sitting there for a while? It's been sitting there for a couple hours. So since it's been sitting there, it's had a nice chance to pull the flavor out of the garlic. We're gonna add about a tablespoon or so of Dijon mustard. That's our emulsifier in the, in the salad dressing. Very important or else they just fall apart. And then for our acid, we're just going with balsamic vinegar. Homemade dressings were an amazing find for me a few years ago because no preservatives, none of that, and I get to control the flavors. So I, I was very happy when I figured out how to make them. And then you can do this also with like a lemon, you know, and you, know, you can substitute the balsamic with lemon. Uh, it's kind of nice sometimes to throw in a little soy sauce and some uh, rice vinegar just for some different Asian flavors if you want different things. And you just want to shake it or whisk it until everything comes together. And that will go on our salad later. Now, this is almost ready. What we have next is we're gonna put our salmon cakes on to fry. They're already cooked. Because the salmon, what I did earlier is I steamed it with lemon and a little bit of salt. Uh -huh. And then let it cool and then pulled it apart and then tossed it together with a little bit of cream cheese, uh, a roasted red pepper, salt, pepper, and some panko breadcrumbs. So talk to me about your salmon. What's your choice? I got 
the whole tale of this one. This was down from the Portland Fish Market down on Woodstock. You know, I remember when I first moved to Denver, I lived there for a long time. I'd always lived on a coastal city, either Portland or Seattle. And I realized with great shock that you could not get fresh fish in a landlocked state unless it was frozen or overnight. So for those people that aren't, don't have the availability of fresh salmon, can you use something else, do you think? If it's not fresh, I mean, you can always go down to your store and find frozen salmon. Right. Just thaw it and then steam it. You know, you just cook it as normal. Um, it works great. Um, tuna would work pretty well with this. Uh, you would want to tweak some of the flavors because right. uh, the flavors I use, I, I think work really well with salmon. Mm -hmm. They keep it bright and fresh. Right. Um, tuna is such a hearty fish as it is it doesn't need much uh, you know i just throw a tuna on on the grill like a steak yeah what kind of spices did you use in those salmon cakes salt pepper uh, a little bit of cilantro garlic which i uh, browned a little bit before i put it in so it didn't in butter uh no i used a little olive oil just so it wouldn't have quite the spicy bite that raw garlic tends to have um, you do have to be careful when you're cooking on high heat not to use the olive oil i do use canola oil for that Otherwise, this burns and releases toxins that you don't want to actually eat. So uh, I will use this when I roast the asparagus, though. So I'm going to put this in, and then we're going to do the salmon cakes. And the asparagus is really easy. It's just olive oil, you know, just a nice, healthy sprinkling of olive oil. So you have quite a few asparagus spears spread on a cooking pan covered in foil. You've just drizzled the olive oil over everything, a little salt, a little pepper, and then we're going to pop that in the oven, right? Pop it in the oven. And these are pretty small, so they're not going to have to cook for very long. Uh, I throw them in at roasting temperature about 450, and they will only take about four or so minutes. I'm going to check them in just a couple. All right, now I'm going to use about a tablespoon or so of canola oil in the pan just to make sure they don't stick. The audience should know that John's had this pan heating up on the stove for probably about four or five minutes. Yeah, about four or five minutes just to make sure it had a nice solid heat. Since these are already pre-cooked, we don't have to worry about them being rare, but we do want them warm. <laughs> That's a Big bonus, you don't want to bite into something like this and just have a cold chunk of salmon in your mouth. And this is a pretty high heat. This is about the same temperature that you used when you made the sauce. Yeah, I went slightly higher, just again, just to get a nice sear on the external coating of panko. So we get a nice brown, crunchy mouthfeel to really contrast the, the salmon. John, you know, when you're standing here and you've got all the food and all the different dishes, it's like being on stage maybe? Cooking always you know, reminds me of you know, being on stage and the, the different things that I have to coordinate with the different musicians. Definitely there is a lot going on right now. It's a lot like being on a bandstand because you have so many different elements. You have to time right, you have to make sure everyone's happy, uh, different temperatures, you know, different riffs going on all at the same time, trying not to burn the audience too much. I do equate cooking a lot very similar. Even when I'm talking with my students, one thing I will tell them is, you know, especially, you know, to help try and get some inspiring thoughts out of them, you know, I like them to think of music or jazz like sauteing onions. The jazz saute onions, all right. Well, you don't want the pan too hot because right. they'll burn. Right. You don't want the pan too cold because they'll take forever. Mm -hmm. So you want them just at that right 
point of sizzle and pop. We can come up with a salmon cake scat, right? That's right. Salmon cakes, right? That's right. A little music in the kitchen. And now, while those last ones are finishing up, I'm going to toss these noodles in to cook. Fresh homemade noodles. And since they're fresh, they don't have to cook for very long, which is another bonus of making your noodles at home. You know, they just need a couple of minutes to just heat up and get nice and numb. I see that you're kind of stirring them around. Do you do that with fresh pasta? Uh, pasta from the store, they will still stick together if they're not taken care of properly. Well, this is getting really hot in here and I can't wait. I'm getting so excited to try this meal that you are making. I'm glad we finally got to this point. John, you just pulled the asparagus out of the oven and it looks so good. You want to tell me anything about it? Is there any trick to it or? Uh, the real trick is just not letting them stay in there too long because then they get, you know, mushy. No mushy asparagus. We don't want mushy asparagus. So I try to take them out real quick, get them on the plate so the cool plate can kind of start to halt their cooking process a bit. All right. Well, everyone, dinner is served. I'd like to remind our listeners today that the recipe for John's special salmon cakes and his two cooking playlists will be available online after the show, as well as information on where to buy his CD and the Johnny Scotch comic book series. John, I'm looking at this plate, and it is colorful and bright. We've got the salad and the dressing, and the flavor is exploding in my mouth right now. The pasta with the sauce, the mushrooms, the green of the asparagus. The salmon cakes are topped with the sauce that you made in the food processor, and it's got this hint of green to it as well. And it is outstanding. My mouth is literally watering right now. And John, thanks so much for cooking for us tonight. I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you next year. Thanks so much for listening today. This is your host, Marty Mendenhall. On future episodes of Marty's Music Kitchen, we will have guests Dr. Ethan Sperry, conductor of the Oregon Repertory Singers and a fabulous baker, as well as Lucian Prowitz, head chef at Bar Avignon, who is also a classically trained trumpet player. For showtimes of our next broadcast, please follow us on Twitter at hashtag Marty's Music Kit. That's hashtag M-A-R-T-I-S music kit, K-I-T, and online at prp.fm.